Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. How are you, brother? What's going hey, on up there? Fun. How you doing? Good, brother. It's that time again for our Urban Wine Club sipping session. Sipping session. I like it. I like it. Yes, that's where we come together and uh, we just grab something and uh, crack it open and get to know it and understand a little better from our perspective. I am completely down with that. So let me ask you, you sent me wine. Because I'm right now down in D.C., you are in Boston, we are doing this virtually. And even if we were next to each other, we'd still be doing it virtually, probably. Absolutely. So it makes no difference. But you sent me a, a beautiful wine. I'm going to pour some right now. Tell Excellent. me what we're drinking, what we're sipping in so this session. It's, it's that time of year again, right? Where the tagline, rosé all day, is back in effect. <laughs> And the rosé factor is continuously growing, right? And many folks are either way into it, want to get into it, have no idea. And some folks don't even know that it exists, believe it or not. Well, let me, so, let me say this. Let me say this. We, we touched a little bit upon this because I'm a complete, you know, newbie when it comes to the rosés. I have my own thoughts about it. But we touched a little bit upon it in one of our podcasts. I believe yes. it was uh, with Patrick Walsh, right? It was. So everybody out there, if you're watching this and you want to learn a little bit more, um, but I have a whole lot of thoughts on Rosé and I, I feel like I'm a little bit misinformed or just ignorant. So I need you to basically talk to Break me, down. tell me. Absolutely. So, you know, Rosé, let me put it out there first of all. Rosé has been around forever. Uh, Rosé has been uh, an, an equal category from, from red and white. Uh, over the decades of centuries. It's just that in the last 30 years here in our market in the U.S., uh, rosé had fell off the earth for us here because of a little funny wine back in the days that was accidentally created. That was um, a certain circumstance in California, not to get too deep into this, but long story short, um, there was a um, harvest in California back in the early 80s, I think. And uh, I think it was from the Gallo family. Um, whoever that's not was what, that's not what the movie bottle show was it? No, it had no reference to to what I'm about to say with Rose. Okay. Uh, I just remember is, something about something happening in California back Yeah, in yep, definitely. But uh, in relation to Rose, um, back then there was this this vi certain vintage. Um, the, the team that was responsible for picking the grapes back then uh, kind of miscalculated the days they were supposed to pick. And what basically happened was the grapes stayed on the vines a little too long. It was a very hot summer, so the grapes got too much sun exposure. They kind of got burnt, if that makes any sense. Burnt to the point where they weren't really uh, of quality to use for their production. So they had tons and tons uh, of, of, um, of grapes that they just couldn't use. So instead of basically, you know, getting rid of it, one way they wanted to salvage it was they came up with this idea. They want to break down uh, this grape juice with a little bit of sugar and coloring. And they came up with this idea called white Ziffenbach. So basically, this came out of necessity to save, like, a large production of grapes? Yes, pretty much. I mean, there's more to it, but this is just um, yeah, the, the, simple, long, the, short, the simple yeah, version. So, version. Right. And to their surprise, um, you know, this, uh, this actually became the new sensation, the wine business. And White Zim became very trendy. And as White Zim started to grow in popularity, 
Rosé just started to take a back seat and uh, it was almost forgotten. So for the last 30 years, you know, Rosé wasn't really that big of an option. It wasn't really in demand. So we saw very little selections uh, in the retail level and restaurants. Fast forward now, the last seven years, uh, you know, we're a different society. We're different consumers. We're very adventurous. We explore. We self-educate. We're constantly reading up on things. And we're traveling a lot more. Well, we were. But, uh, <laughs> and we will be again soon, hopefully. Absolutely. So, you know, rosé started to kind of uh, reappear. And um, it's become trendy. And a lot of wine drinkers who are actually experiencing rosé are actually understanding that it's great wine. Um, they didn't think they would like rosé, but they've been proven wrong because the sales dictate the popularity where every year uh, sales of rosé are growing tremendously. Um, so rosé's out here. It's going to be for a while. I don't see it going away, even though certain uh, critics like to refer to it as a trend um, or uh, some kind of like gimmick, but it's not. Um, it's a category that's been well-respected around the world, especially in France, where rosés, uh, you know, have long history. I think that it's refreshing that we're going to see more and more rosés come to the market. Now, well, can, can we get to tasting some of this? Because I'm like absolutely, all in right now. Absolutely. So have you ever wondered what rosé is? You know, it's funny because it, this is going to sound dumb. And it probably is dumb. And again, I'm like, well, that's what most most folks like, would say, just like we did. The, the the just the simple fact that it's a pink wine just yes. makes me think that it's like everything you were saying. Like it's not like a real wine. It's not like something to be taken seriously. It's like something like you know, uh, young girls when they turn 21 are wanting to drink, like stuff like that. I know it's false. At this point, we've talked about it. Uh, a few times to teach me, but that right. was like my initial. Well, so I always nine, wondered, like, what, what exactly, what, what is it? it? Did they make it pink on purpose? Be pink, or is that the natural color? Like, I don't know. So, to your, to, to your, you know, your comments at the moment, you know, most folks are probably thinking the same as you. If not, some folks think that rosé are sweet wines when they're actually not; they're dry. Uh, yeah, rosés are sweet before because of the color, right? Yeah, and then. Um, most folks might think that rosés are a blend of white and red wine. Not necessarily. 90 plus percent of the rosé production strictly come from red grapes. So, you know, let's put it out there. Rosés are made from red grapes. The difference between rosés and red wines comes down to no more than just what's called skin content. And what does that mean for all our listeners who are watching this segment? Um, basically, when a winemaker decides that they're going to make some rosé out of their red grapes, yeah. is they take a batch of those grapes and set them off to a different room or a different section of the winery. And um, then the rosé production begins. They take the red grapes, they press them through a machine. After the grapes get pressed, um, the juice and the skins go off into a vat altogether. Skins, seeds, and the juice. They start the fermentation. So the wine's fermenting. And then after about two to three days, they stop the fermentation process. They remove all the skins out and then they continue fermentation again. So basically the juice only had about two to three days for skin with skin content. And then when it comes to red wine production, same scenario, let's go to the, the red wine production room. They press the grapes, the skins and the juice go into their vats then they start the production of fermentation. But here what happens is they leave the skins in for about six to eight weeks. So this is two to three days of skin contact. Red wines have six to eight weeks of skin contact. So for each wow. day that goes by, 
the darker the juice gets because it's extracting the color or the pigmentation from skins and it's making the wine darker, but it's also extracting the compounds that are found in skins that are known as tannin. And those tannins or, or compounds are the, as what contributes to the structure of wine. So when we sip on rosé, it's very light, crisp, and refreshing. It's because it has minimal contact of compounds from the skins. I need a first sip as we uh, get into this. Cheers. Um, so I like to refer to rosé as it's a red wine that drinks like it's white. Yeah. Basically. That makes sense. The textures are different than red wine. The textures resemble white wine, but yet it's made from a red grape. It's good. I like it. It's very inviting from the aromas because rosés have very delicate aromas and they lead into very crisp uh, textures and flavors. And they always have like a clean finish. Yeah, so, that's what I've noticed. Very clean. Right? And be because of that, it makes, e it makes it very easy to enjoy rosé. Oh, yeah? Now... A lot of folks in the beginning are a little confused and they're not sure if they like it because they they're not, you know, they don't know what to expect. So it takes a little time for Rosé to grow on folks. That's what well, I'll tell you this. Forget like professional wine drinkers. The common person out there, and I use myself as this example, I feel like this is super easy to adjust to and to like. And there's a lot of like deep, bold reds that for me took a long time to get used to and to learn about oh, definitely. my palate like used to. So I feel like, I feel like I'm the opposite. So, I feel like this is the type of thing that I could like in one second be like, this is great. And the reds are like, oh, that's a little harsh. I don't know I if I like this. That's a very good point because if you put this into perspective, the very first thing we experience is sensation before flavor. So the second wine hits your palate, it's all about how dry, sweet, or crisp it is before you actually pick up the actual flavor of the wine. So if a wine is complex and the sensations are off, psychologically, you're going to be distracted of how it tastes. So, so the textures in rosé are very soft and inviting. And you're right. Red wine takes a long time for certain folks to get into it. Oh, for me, for me, for sure. Like, I, I just couldn't drink red wine. I was drinking white wines. Not really rosés. Rosé is a little more recent. Not, not too recent, but more recent than red and white. But I started off with white, and reds took me a while to get to. So this, how it is developing. For the, first day, for the first day, I tried rosé. I liked it. I think it was probably at one of your rosé uh, parties that will go down in, in well, history as great parties. All right, I like to call it <laughs> an event. You like to call it a party. <laughs> I think it was a party for me and an event <laughs> for you. <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, we're, I mean, I'm a big fan of rosé because, you know, it's a wine that can pretty much be served anytime, anywhere. Um, doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter what you're eating. They're so versatile and they're so inexpensive that that's why I, even though it's you know, kind of uh, quirky and so forth, rosé all day does have some truth to it. Like you can drink it anytime, anywhere. So there's no, there's no like, it doesn't have to be with specific things. You can pair it, I'm sure, but like it doesn't oh, have definitely. to be. It doesn't have to be, but you know, obviously rosé can enhance certain dishes, but rosé can also be that, you know, that happy medium for many things um, or whether. Do you find when you're pairing rosé, do you tend to pair it with things that go more with whitish wines or reddish wines? Or does that um, make no sense? So Definitely, de definitely anything that's uh, recommended to pair with white 
rosé can step in there really easily. Then when you move up the scale of textures and flavors of food, you know, you really can get pretty, you know, pretty adventurous and start dipping into meats with rosés. Because if you think about it, you know, we've always been told, you know, you need to pair your meats with reds and so on, but not necessarily. It all depends on how are you preparing that dish. Usually meats are grilled, so they're either in a broiler, whether they're in a pan, whether they're on your barbecue grill. But red meat, to my, uh, to my senses, is basically, unless you just season it very, you know, with salt and pepper, there's not much flavor to, to meat unless there's a little bit of fat to it. So because it's very um, almost neutral in flavor, you know, rosés, you know, work perfectly with red meat if you enjoy red meat. But when, you move, in, when you move into then braising and barbecuing, that's a whole different world then you, you're going to lose. But if you're just grilling your meats, whether they're, uh, you know, red meats, pork, poultry, rosé can pretty much be served with all of that, all of the above. But this, uh, what, 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 what rosé is this so, one specifically? So we're, gonna, we're having a French rosé, and uh, the French are known for making very good rosé. Even the rosé is made all over the world, in Italy as well, Spain, Greece, what have you, the U.S., um, you know, the, the culture in France has been pretty dominant when it comes to rosé. And here, I particularly chose um, a rosé from someone that I'm a big fan of. Uh, this comes from a gentleman by the name of Sasha Lachine, uh, who is French. His family is from Bordeaux. His father is a very well-known uh, producer in Bordeaux, uh, Chateau Lachine. And uh, the cool thing about Sasha Lachine is not that he makes just amazing wines, but he's got roots in Boston. Um, he came here in the in the 80s, and he studied at Boston University. And while there he was studying at, at BU, um, he actually worked as a sommelier at Anthony's Pier and Four in the waterfront, if you remember that restaurant. <laughs> right? So he's, there you go. So he's got some strong roots here in, in Boston, and he visits every so often. His heart's still here in Boston, but, um, you know, He's been in the environment and culture of making fine wine because of his dad. And along the way, you know, he had this, uh, this vision that, you know, wine shouldn't be so complicated for folks. So wine should be made easy to drink. And he has this tagline called, life is easy as is to drink wine. Life should be, life should be easy to drink wine. So he came out with this series um, that he's put together. It's been around for the last 10 years. Uh, and they call them the chicken wines. So... <laughs> He makes a white, a red, and a rosé, and on the label, it references, um, you know, on his red, there's a rooster, on the white, there's a chicken, and on his rosé, is a chick. So the one that we're having here is uh, Le Poussin Rosé, which translates to the pink chick, right? <laughs> and uh, it's a blend of two red grapes. The grapes that they use is Grenache and Cinso, which are local varieties that grow in the southern parts of France, all over the Languedoc and Provence area. And it's very, very um, classically styled rosé from that part of the world. And uh, Sasha Lachine really knows how to produce everyday drinking wines that are very affordable and also delicious at the same token. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a Cheers. very nice. I, I like it. And the cool thing is that, you know, we, we're talking about these wines, we're tasting them together. But these are, all, these are also wines that we believe in and we stand behind and we put them up on our portal. So whenever our folks are watching our videos and our sipping session, you know, these wines are all available on our platform as well for ordering. Yeah, yeah. On our website, on our app, uh, everywhere you could uh, uh, find us, you'll, you'll find the link if you guys are interested. I suggest very much so that you try this uh, rosé because 
It's super good, super good. And the cool thing about the fact that we're doing this virtually, that I'm here and you're there, is that I don't have to share this bottle with you. If I was there, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be able to taste much of it because I would have already gotten it. Exactly. I know how you work, so this is cool. I'm a, I'm a notorious rosé fiend. Oh, yeah. Notorious <laughs> is the word. But, uh, yeah, Ari, I, I, I can't stress enough that I'd love more and more folks to start experiencing. Um, it definitely should be a part of anyone's experience as far as when those are getting into wine and they're enjoying wine and they explore which is cool because we see a lot of our members, we get a ton of emails all the time asking for recommendations, suggestions. And when we're sending out our subscription uh, packages, you know, folks are getting rosés now into their boxes. The feedback has been. Yeah, especially now, you know, the weather's opening up. It's nice. You want to sit outside on your deck and your back porch, what have you. Your Crack patio. Nice oh, yeah. This is basically um, the answer to a lot of that where folks are you know, overwhelmed these days with, you know, there's so much to choose from. What are we going to have? What are we going to do? Try rosé. Quick question. What's the best way to enjoy rosé? Chilled? Room temperature? Chilled. The same way you serve white wine, you should serve your rosé. But here's a quick tip. The colder your white wine or your rosé is, it's going to be refreshing. It's going to feel good, but you won't get all the flavors out of that wine until the wine warms up a little. So it shouldn't pass a certain temperature. It should just be lightly well, chilled. Well, it should be lightly chilled, but I'm not going to say that that should be the answer because considering that we're going into the hot season and a lot of folks love cold beverages, it's fine. It's okay to have cold white wine and cold rosé because it feels good. But believe me, as soon as uh, you're getting into that bottle, it's going to start to change. It's going to start to warm up a little bit and you get more flavor. So for example, this bottle came out of the refrigerator once we first started, right? So it's been about 15, 20 minutes. So it's kind of warmed up a little and I can taste a ton of flavor from what it used to be when I first pulled it out of the refrigerator. When I first pulled it out, crisp and refreshing and cold, so it felt good. But now I'm really getting all the flavors out of the wine. Well, I'll tell you, without knowledge, just personal taste, I know that like whites and rosés that I've had like in the house, yep. I like them lightly chilled, even if it's like really hot out. Because I don't know, for me, Drinking like really cold wine just doesn't just doesn't sound right. Well, I like it chilled though, but not. But here's the thing: in the U.S. as consumers, uh, we are a market of uh, cold beverages. Beverages, so we've been subject to drinking a lot of things cold. Makes so, excellent. We suggest lightly, lightly chilled. And you know what? All right, my if, friend. Let's have another sip. Cheers. Cheers to you. Wait, I got. <laughs> cool. Well. That wraps up our segment on our sipping sessions uh, here at the Urban Wine Club. Uh, we're definitely going to have a lot more to come. Uh, they're fun. Uh, please, you know, email us with any questions after you view our segment. Um, you can definitely order the wines in our segments right on our website and our app. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, these will be on YouTube, but uh, I'm sure they'll be on a bunch of other places. We'll figure that out. But on YouTube for now, on our app and on our website. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for watching. See you, buddy. Take care, Ari.